Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Clementine, your one-stop shop for all the advice that you may not want to hear, but that you definitely need to hear. I am your host, Clementine Ford, the internet mother to you all, at least self-proclaimed anyway, but I try to be maternal. I love you. I do. I want what's best for you. I'm recording today on the land of the Wurundjeri people. Remember, wherever you are, know whose land you're on. Let's get to it. Dear Clementine, I want to leave my long-term partner of eight years. He is genuinely a lovely person who shares many of my views when it comes to feminism. However, I haven't wanted to have sex with him for close to 12 months. I just don't have the same feelings for him anymore. This is all really complicated and there are multiple layers for why I'm so unhappy, but a huge factor is how he doesn't really help with household duties. The unconscious socialization of such gendered roles is so deeply entrenched in him that he is unaware of how it affects me. He just doesn't get it. He doesn't think about the jobs that need to be done. I'm sick to death of feeling like he doesn't respect the home we share. I feel like I'm training a teenager in this regard. However, I don't know how to leave. I study full-time and my part-time job doesn't pay me enough. I have no savings and I have 12 months left of my degree. And even after I graduate, starting out in my new career as a junior won't be easy without the financial security of a partner. Three years ago, when we were in a good place, deciding to be pretty much 100% dependent on him while I changed careers was a safe choice. But now I just feel trapped. I don't know what to do. Oh, well, this is a really, really tricky situation because you, as you said, are financially constrained. And okay, let's break this down into a few different sections. Firstly, let's talk about the feeling side of things. And then let's talk about the financial side of things. First and foremost, not just to you, but to everyone else listening to this, I need you to remind yourself every day that it is okay for feelings to change. That just because you once felt very strongly about someone and you even thought you want to spend the rest of your life with this person and you couldn't even imagine if someone came to you and said, one day in the next few years, you're going to look at this person and feel disgusted at the thought of their hands touching you. You'd be like, that's crazy. I love this person. I I feel all the strong things for them. It doesn't actually mean that that will be who you are for the rest of your life. It is totally normal for feelings to change. It is acceptable for feelings to change. And you don't owe anybody your life or your body or your service or your love, or at least the pretense of it, based on a promise, in quotes, that you made back when you were young. It just, it doesn't work like that. No one owes anyone else the rest of their life. And when you think about it as well, the idea that someone could be staying with you because they feel obliged to is horrifying. I would hate for anyone to be with me out of some sense of obligation. And I'd especially hate if I didn't know that that's what was happening. And I was just kind of merrily trundling along thinking that we were still in love. It would be mortifying and really like damaging, I think, on a very deep level to find out at some point that when you were having sex with somebody that they felt in any way grossed out by it or in any way compelled to as part of their kind of obligation as your partner. That, That is an awful, awful thing to put on someone. So not only is it okay for you to change your feelings, not only is it okay for you to move on romantically in your life, but also it's a kindness to, it's a kindness to be able to bring that to someone and say, listen, I still, you know, like you as a person, I, I, I still respect you and I really value and cherish what we've had, but my feelings have changed. 
That would be an acceptable thing to happen, the the changing feelings I mean. Even in a relationship where there was equality and equity in terms of what you both put into it and in terms of how you both cared for the space that you live in together, it would still be acceptable in that instance for your feelings to change because it's acceptable in any instance for feelings to change. And as long as you treat people with respect and kindness and you acknowledge you know, you acknowledge their humanity and how you end a relationship, then you're allowed to end a relationship. But as you say, this is exacerbated by the fact that he really doesn't do that much around the home and the space that you share together. You say that he shares many of your views when it comes to feminism. Well, does he? I mean, it's one thing to kind of theoretically have a feminist viewpoint and theoretically kind of pride yourself in having a feminist framework. But if you're not really doing the deep work of questioning every day how you bring those values to your life and how you bring those values to your relationship and how you treat your partner in a with a feminist mindset, then you're not really all that feminist, are you? It's just they're very easy things to agree with nominally when it makes you feel like a good person. But the fact that he isn't applying any of this to his actual practice of living, I think tells you a lot more than what he's able to say with his mouth. I'm sure I've talked about this in the podcast before, but it's men's socialization isn't so profoundly deep that they truly just don't understand what's going on around them. It's that they don't care. They don't care that they're not doing as much around the house. They don't care that the burden of the labor falls to you because they allow themselves to not care. They allow themselves to believe nonsense like, well, I just don't see the mess the way that you do, or you just care about it more than I do. They allow themselves to believe that because it's easy, firstly, to to maintain the pretense that they're a good equal partner because addressing the truth of it means that they have to accept that they are exploiting you knowingly. But also because, as I've said before, there's no reward for them doing the housework. The housework never changes. It never changes. It's the same job day in and day out. There's no progression. There's no promotion. There's no pay. And there's no one around them in, in the structures of their world that they value where, they, where their um, reputation within those spheres is important to them. That doesn't exist in the home place because actually their reputation to their partners isn't really all that important to them because you as his partner have no capacity to, as I said, promote him, pay him more, give him public validation beyond just saying, well, he's such an amazing partner. But you don't actually have the same capacity as the structural power systems that men, you say that he's been conditioned to accept that the, you know, he's been conditioned to exercise gender inequality in the home. That's not true. What he's been conditioned to in his life is to value the praise and the acceptance of men more than he values the praise and the acceptance of women and especially the woman who he's sharing his home with. That is just the basic truth of it. If this were a workplace scenario, you can bet your fucking bottom dollar that he'd be putting in the time and the effort to not only do a really good job, but to excel in the eyes of the people whose admiration and respect he craves. He would want to perform better than his colleagues. This is something that I, again, everyone listening to this, I really want you to get the, to understand this on a deep level. Men don't abrogate their responsibilities at home when it comes to domestic tasks because they don't see mess. They don't check out 
of the domestic sphere because somehow they've been socialized to just um, be a bit lazier around the house. They do it because they don't care about whether or not you respect them because there is no economic or social value to them that comes from having your respect. It does not matter to them. They may think that they love you and they may be shocked at the thought that they don't respect you, but that's what it comes down to. The people who they respect, it's like Marilyn Fry says, the people who they respect and from whom they seek admiration and validation are overwhelmingly other men. If they can go to work and compete with their male colleagues, probably like their female colleagues too, except that we know how, we know how some men get when women excel ahead of them in the workplace. But if they can go to work and they can compete with their male colleagues for the respect and admiration of the structural power system that will allow them to elevate and advance through that system, then they can definitely go home and see what needs to be done around the house. They just don't care about it because those same rewards are not in place for them at home. So you are 100% within your rights to be upset and angry about that, but also stop telling yourself that it's because he's been so deeply conditioned by gender inequality. That is not what the conditioning is. The conditioning is that your respect does not matter. That's where the conditioning comes in. So now we come to the point of the finances and, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. You can't do anything about the fact that you three years ago decided that it would be a really good idea to rely on him 100% financially because you felt differently then. And yes, I get it. You, You can't change that now. But to anyone else listening to this, these are the things that you need to consider when you are shackling yourself to someone else, man or woman or person, it doesn't matter. When you're shackling yourself to someone in a romantic scenario, you're shackling yourself to them financially you are putting yourself in a precarious situation. And I'm not saying that to blame anyone. I'm just saying that as a simple statement of fact. You always need to have a financial out because if you don't have a financial out, then you are trapped in scenarios where you you simply have fewer options to walk away. Now, in your case, it's trickier for you and you can be very grateful that you don't have children because that would make it damn near impossible. But it's actually not as impossible as you think. There are ways around this. Yes, you're working on a part-time salary, you're still studying. You've only got 12 months left, so you could, um, you know, imagine that it's only for another, listen, you could stay for another year, although I don't recommend that. It's not fair to you and it's not fair to him. As I said before, regardless of what he doesn't does or doesn't do around the house, it's not fair to someone to allow them to believe that the person they're in a relationship with is happy and fine with them when they're not. It's just, it's humiliating. I invite you to expand your understanding of what financial security might look like. Yes, it's very, very hard to live on a single income in, you know, the the economic crisis that we're in at the moment, the cost of living crisis. Yes, it's difficult. It's not impossible, but it's difficult. It can be done if you, you know, live on a budget. It's not necessarily fun, but it can be done. But also you don't have to live alone. There are lots of different alternative living structures that are available to you. You are not the only woman in this situation. So it stands to reason that there are other women who could possibly, I don't know, benefit from maybe living in a financial situation with you as housemates. Now, some people will be like, well, I don't want to live with other people. Okay, well, it's either another person who respectfully, uh, you know, stays in their own room or has their own bedroom and also 
will be more compelled to do an equal amount of work around the house because you are housemates who must respect each other and not relationship partners where you can take advantage of each other. It's either that or as a partner who you don't love, who you don't feel attracted to, who who doesn't do anything to support the space that you live in and who you feel like you are disgusted at the thought of having sex with. Like to me, those two options, there's one very clear winner there. So you can ask around and imagine a different kind of way of living for yourself. You can also downsize. You can live in a one-bedroom flat. You don't need to live in a house. Um, you don't need to live, you know, the. we get so trapped in this idea of what we gain from having the financial security of a partner, but we have to ask ourselves whether or not the gain is worth the cost. And for a lot of people, it's not worth the cost when it, when you really break it down. But we have been made to believe that in order to have any kind of value in our life, not just in terms of how we live our lives, but in the eyes of other people, that we have to have a certain level of financial, not even security, but financial privilege. And that's also not true. So you need to basically sit down and figure out for yourself whether or not your happiness is more important to you than this illusion of financial security. You are clearly unhappy. Your partner is not listening to you about the things that make him undesirable in your eyes. And if you feel like that sexual attraction is lost forever, then you're allowed to make moves to leave, but you don't need to be trapped in this situation forever because you've because we have all absorbed this idea that financial security is is more about having things rather than actually living safely. You have been listening to me, Clementine Ford, on this episode of Dear Clementine. Remember, if you have a question, you can send it to us at dearclementine at novapodcasts.com.au. Everything is anonymous. Um, we love to hear from you as well. So if you don't have a question, that's fine. Just send us your feedback. And thank you so much for listening. You can also like and rate and review the podcast on whatever listening app you listen to it and share it with your friends. We would love to bring more people into the Dear Clementine family. Until next time, I hope this podcast has found you well. Yours sincerely, Clementine.